0: nuggets numbers i am your host ryan blackburn at nba blackburn on twitter part of the denver Stiffs podcast network thank you for listening on this wednesday afternoon wanted to get into a couple of things over the last couple of games i've went to my first game as a media member of this season last week against the charlotte hornets on saturday we had our hope kids drive event that sent 500 families, kids with cancer, to the Nuggets game. That was a sellout on a Saturday afternoon. Really excited about that, so I wanted to talk about that really quickly. Then I've got some quick notes on the Houston and Miami games, as well as quantifying Nikola Jokic's season thus far. So let's get right into it. First thing, the game-to-game experience at the Pepsi Center – has completely changed over the course of the last couple of years. Usually I don't go to a ton of games being, if you don't know about me, I'm a college student, University of South Carolina, wrapping up there pretty soon. But most of the time I spend my time working remotely for Denver Stiffs and get a chance every December, January to come back here and, and really take in the atmosphere. Uh, have done that for the last couple of years, but this year was really different. My first game this season came on Saturday afternoon, this past Saturday against the Charlotte Hornets, as I mentioned at the Open. Uh, It was a sellout crowd. The crowd was amazing that night. Uh, I spent a lot of it interacting with the fans on the concourse area and there are a lot of passionate nuggets fans in the building right now and it's it's a stark contrast from past years where the nuggets were having trouble advertising and promoting their team and this is a great group this year 16 and 3 at home that's an incredible record one of the best records in the NBA at home this year why is denver suddenly embracing the nuggets this year i think there's there's probably a variety of factors, but when you focus on the Nuggets specifically, Nikola Jokic right now is the best show in Denver. He's liable to make an amazing pass every night, go off in, in the point totals every night. He had 39 against the Charlotte Hornets, which was his season high. Uh, and again, he's one of the best passers in the NBA, liable to do some amazing things at any given moment. In addition, Jamal Murray is liable to go off scoring at any moment. He's been one of the most popular nuggets at Pepsi Center this year. In my talks with Adam Morris and Brendan Vogt uh, and Zach Mikosh, guys at Denver Stiffs who continuously go to games, they, uh, they've they really advertised and, and, and told me that Jamal Murray has been the big show. While everybody kind of understands that Nikola Jokic is the best player, Jamal Murray's the guy that people really love to get behind, really love to to cheer on when when he's going off and when he's scoring. He's really embraced the moment in Denver. It's been really impressive. Uh, I can take an L on that one. I've over the past few games, he's really hasn't played extremely well. But when I've whenever I've called it out, he seems to go right back at it and and prove me wrong on Twitter. I I remember against the. The Sacramento Kings a few games ago, he had two points in the first half, and then I said something on Twitter, and he had 34 points in the second half and quickly made me look like an idiot. So he's definitely one of those guys who can go off at any moment and proving to be one of the main draws for the Denver Nuggets this year. In addition, I think that as everybody in Denver well knows, this is a Broncos town. And for the first time in a while, the Nuggets have had a prolonged stretch stretch of success at the same time that the Broncos have had a prolonged stretch of we'll call it disappointment. Uh, the Broncos actually just hired a new coach, and that will dominate news cycles for a while. But the Nuggets are still the best show in Denver right now. They are the best team among the four major sports. And I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how that progresses going forward and whether the city can continue to get behind Denver. I think that Denver is going to continue having some great success in the second half. Although the home schedule does remain tough, there are a lot of Western Conference teams in the second half, 15 to be exact. Uh, 14 of those games will come against non-Phoenix opponents. Phoenix obviously is very bad. The rest of the teams are very good so it's going to be very competitive uh will be interesting to see how denver handles it four more back to backs with the second game at home denver has been as good on these has been really good on these back to backs so far uh i would say that they probably finish at home either 32 and 9 or 33 and 8 which means that they only lose five or six more games at home the rest of the way that's incredible uh it's an improvement over last year's outstanding home record and the nuggets have been far better on the road this year to kind of give that boost as well. So we'll see what happens there, but it's, it's very clear that the Nuggets right now, putting on a show for teams no matter what the day, uh, uh, putting on a show for their fans no matter what the situation. All right, let's get into some quick notes on both of the Houston and Miami games from yesterday and the day before. Uh, in the Houston game, one of the things that I really noticed was that The Rockets shot the lights out. They are one of the highest volume three-point shooting teams in the NBA. Of course, that's become very well known. But against the Nuggets, they shot an extremely high percentage on the same number of looks that they usually get from those spots. Uh, They shot 5 of 12 on tightly contested threes, which is 41%. their season average in those situations is 29%, so a 12% improvement. Uh, their open threes, they were 6 of 18 for 33%. Uh, that's pretty much in line with their season averages, if, if a little bit slightly worse. But on wide open threes, they usually generate around 17, 18 per game. And they got the same number against Denver and happened to shoot 65% on those looks, 11 of 17. Their season average in those situations is 37.8%. So, a very, very surprising number, I would say. If they miss just four of those, then I think that the game turns into a lot more contested down the, down kind of towards the end. Uh, in that game, it was, it was kind of surprising the way that things progressed, but I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, Torrey Craig started this game for Juancho Hernan Gomez to go along with the return of Gary Harris and Paul Millsap. I wasn't really surprised by this decision, uh, especially against James Harden. Uh, Harden obviously is a, an elite talent, and you want somebody who's an excellent one-on-one defender to be able to match up with him. And... Torrey Craig I think is Denver's best option in those situations defensively although it really does cause problems on offense and I think that Denver's best moments in this game offensively were with Torrey Craig off the floor uh despite the fact that Craig I think shot the ball reasonably well uh Craig starting over Juancho Hernan Gomez I don't think that's the right decision uh But it can be the right decision long-term if the plan is to play Wancho and Gomez as the four off the bench when Will Barton comes back. I will get into that in just a little bit. Nikola Jokic couldn't really figure out how to match up against the double team in this game. was a little bit surprised by that because of the recent experience against the San Antonio Spurs where they doubled him kind of incessantly. Uh, But P.J. Tucker was doubling off of Paul Millsap all game and P.J. Tucker is an elite defender, and the way that he did it was extremely, extremely skilled from a position of strength where Jokic couldn't necessarily get off a clean pass to either Paul Millsap, who P.J. Tucker was guarding mostly, or to any of the other open players in those situations. Uh, in, the, in a lot of those situations, Houston would stay on... Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris, and would leave Tory Craig a little bit open. Obviously, you don't want Tory Craig firing up seven or eight threes, even if they're open in a game. Uh, so it really puts Jokic in a compromising position. Uh, I don't think he handled it very well, and clearly the numbers bear that out. He had seven turnovers in the first half, eight on the game. He did adjust, but it was definitely a little bit too late. I thought Houston doing that was really smart just because Millsap I don't think is very comfortable in the starting lineup quite yet. He takes a little bit of time to get back adjusted and get back comfortable. And with him being in the starting lineup for the first time, I thought that it was very smart to use his man to double off of him. And it was smart because he only got up six shots on the game, even in a limited amount of time. With as much as they were doubling Nikola Jokic and leaving him open, I definitely think that he should have had more field goal attempts or at least more opportunities to get to the free throw line, but that didn't really translate today. The bench lineup was in for far too long in the fourth quarter. I thought they did an excellent job coming back. Uh, Give credit to Michael Malone for keeping them out there and letting them do their thing up until that point. Although... When they cut the lead down to six points, the Houston lead to six points with roughly eight minutes to go, I uh, thought it would be the right decision to get the Nugget starters back in there, especially Nikola Jokic. I uh, was a little bit surprised that he wasn't in the game until I believe the six or five minute mark. Uh, just because when when you have an opportunity to get somebody in and then they have to stand at the scorer's table for a full minute or 90 seconds after you try and get them in it's tough because during that time Houston went on a run. And and by the time that Jokic got back into the game, it was either a, a 13 point advantage for Houston or a 15 point advantage or something like that. And with, uh, with just six or five minutes left to go, it's, uh, it's really tough to come back from that. So I definitely think Malone learned from that and wanted to get Jokic in, in the next game. Uh, and as as I'll talk about the Miami game here really quickly, um, he really did that. And Nikola Jokic in the Miami game was excellent. He was brilliant offensively, 29 points on 11 of 21 from the field, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, just three turnovers this time. I think he really learned how to handle the double when it came. And I think Miami definitely learned very quickly early that they can't double off of Jokic or else he's going to thread those incredible passes. Uh, No wonder he had 10 assists on the game. He also had the game-winning floater with just two seconds left, uh, and I thought he dominated the entire fourth quarter. Malone really learned, again, from the Houston game. Uh, Jokic had 28 minutes uh, ending the third quarter, but Malone decided to reinsert him to start the fourth quarter, and I thought that that was smart simply because it gave Jokic an opportunity to really commandeer that quarter himself, and he did a great job of it. He started off the quarter by threading a nice pass to Monty Morris on a back cut. It really helped him get going, and he he was kind of an undeniable presence scoring and passing the ball on that end uh, for the entire period. Miami's bigs gave Jokic trouble defensively for sure, Uh, They are both excellent leapers, and I'm talking about Hassan Whiteside and Bam Adebayo. Uh, During those situations in clutch time, Miami isn't a great offensive team, but one of the things that they've learned to do really well is get their bigs rolling hard to the rim, either slipping screens or going late and putting the big man defender, in this case Jokic, in a terrible position in which he can't really contest the guard in front of him. And he definitely can't contest the big behind him. Uh, Denver's had troubles with guys like that, that that personnel has really thrown them for a loop. I would say Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they combat that in further series, but uh, Clint Capella uh, for Houston had 29 points in the Houston game. That's a, that's a, a tied a career high for him. So that obviously Denver didn't defend him very well, in addition to not defending James Harden very well in those situations. Uh, it's that prototype the Clint the Hassan Whitesides, the Bam bios uh, In previous years, it's been Willie Colley Stein for the Sacramento Kings. So guys that have one major skill in being able to leap really high and, and catch and catch lob dunks over Jokic kind of give Jokic trouble just because with his limitations defensively, he has limited ability to move his feet. Obviously he can't get very far off the ground. He has to be able to outsmart the opponents, but if he can't get into proper position and the pick and roll ball handler defender, most of the time it's either Jamal Murray or uh, Malik Beasley or Torrey Craig in these situations, if they can't be in good position, then it it makes it very difficult for Jokic in those situations because he's basically guarding two on one, and he just can't do that most of the time. Miami out rebounded and or Miami was out rebounded and out assisted in this game by Denver, but Miami only turned over the ball six times all game. Uh, and Denver turned it over 16 times. It's very, very bizarre for a team to lose the turnover battle by 10 total turnovers and still win a game. Uh, really goes to show that Miami's offense just isn't that good and that Denver defensively this this game, I don't think they should be given too much credit, even though they did hold Miami to under 100 points. Uh Miami is starting Justice Winslow at point guard, and while Justice Winslow has been great, uh, he is not a great ball handler and great passer for a point guard. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things. Denver is usually at their best when they are maximizing their opponent's turnovers and minimizing their own. Uh, that's that's usually the biggest indicator of whether they've performed well, uh, win, or, win or lose. Uh, their bench unit last night had seven themselves, uh, which is just too high. Everybody had at least one turnover, uh, Mason Plumley and Juancho Hernan Gomez, who'd only played eight minutes, by the way, had two. Uh, you can live with the nine turnovers from the starters, especially if they're all playing 30 plus minutes per game. Uh, but the bench has to be better. As I just mentioned, Wancho Hernan Gomez didn't play until the fourth quarter last night. I'm not really surprised. He hasn't played extremely well over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, He's a tough player to play defensively against a team like Miami because they go small so often that the advantage that Wancho provides offensively doesn't necessarily match the the disadvantage he's put at defensively when forced to guard guys like Dwayne Wade or Josh Richardson or Justice Winslow, guys that are smaller and quicker, Uh, and Dion Waiters was another guy who was just on fire this game, but just kind of an indicator that I'm not sure that Wancho's best position long-term is as a small forward I really do think that his best place, especially on this Nuggets team, is as a floor-spacing power forward, uh, somebody who can help Denver really get going offensively, especially on their bench, uh, give the team a lot of spacing. Uh, this year, Wancho has played eight hundred and fifty-nine minutes as a small forward, compared to just uh, one thousand, uh, compared to one thousand eight minutes overall. 85% of his minutes have come as the small forward, and that's in lineups with Jokic and Millsap, Jokic and Plumlee, Jokic and Lyles, Lyles and Plumlee. Those are the four main lineups that he spends time as the small forward, and I think that's really a disservice to him because only 75 of his total minutes have come as the, as the power forward next to Jokic. Uh, Denver has such strong guard play this year that when Will Barton comes back, it would be really nice to see them play lineups with Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, Will Barton, Malik Beasley, Monty Morris. Those five guys, uh, play three of those guys, play play Jokic at the center position, and then play Wancho as kind of the floor-spacing power forward. So often, as the small forward, Wancho is tasked with running dribble handoffs, and those don't really get anywhere because Wancho isn't very comfortable handling the ball in those situations and and nor should he especially against a a 6-6 guy and then Miami's personnel is very uh is very strong defensively with guys like Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow and and players like that who can get those steals and and make things difficult on taller players that aren't as comfortable handling the ball you put Wancho at the power forward position and it provides a different dynamic. He's still shooting way over 40% this year from three-point land, and Trey Lyles is shooting just 25%. Given that most of Trey Lyles' production this year has come from the perimeter, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Denver experimented with uh, lineups with Wancho as the bench forward, as the bench power forward, and then played three guards next to him. Uh, at least for certain situations. If Denver needs more defense, then I can understand playing Trey Lyles. I don't think the advantage that Trey Lyles provides defensively matches the per- the advantage that Wancho generates offensively over him, but to each their own. Uh, we'll just have to see how that goes. That That's something to monitor for sure. I think that Wancho should be in the lineup. Uh, maybe not the starting lineup, but... I think he needs to be in the rotation simply because he's proven that he's a knockdown shooter and you can never have enough knockdown shooters in the lineup. You just have to empower them and put them in positions where they're going to get open shots. I did mention Trey Lyles. He did have a bounce back game tonight against Miami uh, or last night against Miami, excuse me. Uh, six of eight from the field, three of five from the three-point line. He finished with a Sterling 15 points, I'm pretty sure, uh, in a very limited amount of time. So that version of Trey Lyles is extremely useful, but that version of Trey Lyles has only shown up to about 15, 20% of Denver's games so far. Uh, I hope that version becomes more of the norm as as the rotation kind of normalizes and he kind of falls back into a, a better setup playing next to Mason Plumley most of the time. I think he's very comfortable playing next to Mason Plumlee. Uh, those two guys have a pretty solid chemistry. Uh, it would be great if, if Trey Lyles is the guy that Michael Malone plays as the bench power forward. Uh, you want to see him play well, uh, no matter what the circumstance. So it'll be interesting to see how that moves going forward. All right, let's talk about quantifying Nikola Jokic this year. His greatness on the season has been stated well and true over a number of podcasting platforms. Uh, Lots of people have written nationally about Denver, uh, from ESPN to Sports Illustrated to Yahoo Sports, The Ringer. Uh, Lots of articles have come out about Jokic's greatness, and I think that they're definitely warranted. He's clearly improved as a player this year, not just from a counting stats perspective, but from a mentality perspective. He's he's showing exactly what he can be when he's the fulcrum of the offense and when the team commits to his identity as a player. Uh, the counting stats, as I mentioned, are up. He's up to 19.2 points per game, 7.5 assists per game. Those are... Uh, those are point guard numbers. Like, it's it's frankly absurd uh, that he also is a center. He averages over 10 rebounds per game. The rebounds are slightly down simply because he shares a lot of his time with solid rebounders uh, like Mason Plumlee, like Torrey Craig. Juanjo and Gomez is pretty good for when he's at the small forward position. Jamal Murray is very good for a point guard. Uh, guys like that have really knocked down his rebounding totals overall, I would say, but it's very clear, like, when you look at the box scores on occasion, he'll have those games where he's 15 rebounds, 17 rebounds. It's it's not surprising at all that he has those days because he's just a good, good rebounder. Uh, the advanced metrics paint him in a strong light as well. Uh, ESPN's real plus-minus has him as the fourth overall player in in – rpm and the fifth overall player in offensive rpm which is absurd for a center you see anthony davis in the top 15 as the only other type of center type player and then nicole vucevic is down in the 30s and so when you can only have two centers in the offensive version of rpm it really shows that you're doing something right uh, he's third in box plus minus as well which really measures his overall production—points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, efficiency—in that situation, um, he's maintained his efficiency pretty pretty reasonably, even though he's had these moments where he's playing with guys like Torrey Craig, Mason Plumlee, Juancho Hernan Gomez, uh, low usage guys who don't necessarily uh, operate as true floor spacers and true threats all of the time. Uh, and so it's, it's really amazing that he's still third in the NBA in box plus minus. Uh, one of the new metrics that I'm going to continue to reference here is player impact plus minus, uh, a metric developed by Jacob Goldstein. He writes for B-ball index and among other places, uh, player impact plus minus basically measures, uh, a player's personal impact, uh, and then adjusts for luck, which which means that teams that, like the Houston Rockets, during this past game, they're adjusted to average their normal amount of three-point shooting and normal amount of free-throw shooting, as opposed to kind of the, the abnormal amount of makes that they had from both of those places when they played the Nuggets on Monday. Uh, Jokic is 19th in player impact plus-minus. Uh, He, for some reason, is a little bit lower in that metric as opposed to some others, but Paul Millsap is also very high on that metric, so it wouldn't surprise me that uh, guys like Jamal Murray, guys like Paul Millsap are surprisingly higher in those metrics versus being surprisingly lower in others. Uh, Usually that all balances out pretty well equally. Uh, But in addition to the stats... Uh, We can talk about the stats, this is Nuggets numbers, but Jokic's mentality is simply just different. Uh, 2016, 2017, it took Jokic a while to truly get going. Obviously, he was on the bench for a lot of that time, but December 15th marked his time where he was inserted into the starting lineup, but it still took him a little bit to get truly adjusted to being a consistently positive player. Uh, He had a lot of times where he was fouling out. He had a lot of times where he was just not shooting very well or turning the ball over a lot, Uh, and the defense was obviously an issue. Uh, 2017-2018 was much of the same. It took Jokic until January 22nd last year when Michael Malone said that he would start calling less plays and give Jokic and, and the players a little bit more empowerment, a little bit more control over the offense. Uh that was a big moment for the Nuggets last year. Uh this year though, Jokic has been ready since day 1. He immediately started the year with a strong performance against the Los Angeles Clippers. He had that perfect triple-double in the home opener against Phoenix. He got going very quickly and while he did have a rough patch when Denver was on their losing streak, he he infamously took just one shot against Memphis that time. Uh since those moments Jokic has been the most consistent player on Denver's roster. Uh, Adam Fromo of NBA Math who I had on a couple of episodes ago he does rolling team ratings and he just recently debuted rolling player ratings which are basically how a team is how a player is performing at a certain point in time. uh, Over Jokic's last 10 games and kind of the the rolling team rating for or rolling player rating for every player in the NBA. Jokic was graded as the seventh best player in the NBA, uh, based off of how he's playing lately. That doesn't surprise me. Jokic has been awesome. He's been he's been great from a both a box score perspective, but also from a volume perspective because Denver's needed him to be a great scorer. Um, it's, it's very interesting to see what he's doing uh, they've they've needed him to be a great focal point as well. Uh, his usage is up this year, two percent, twenty four point two percent last year, twenty six point one percent this year. His assist rate is up eight percent, thirty eight percent this year, thirty percent last year. Doing a really good job of operating as a fulcrum point. Cleaning the glass has him as the in the ninety seventh percentile in usage, which basically combines how often a player is holding the ball, assisting, shooting, turning the ball over, generating free throws. He's in the 97th percentile this year, which I think translates to about 13th in the NBA. That's surprising because he was only at the 93rd percentile last year. He's really took, taken on even more of a role this year in the Nuggets offense, and the Nuggets have definitely responded well to that. In clutch time, Jokic becomes even better Uh, Denver has incurred clutch time on 24 games this year, and Denver is 18-6 in those games, 75% of those games. They have won. Uh, A lot of that time, uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray have been operating the two-man game and just wearing teams out. Uh, Jokic will sometimes receive the pass from Jamal Murray and kick it back to him, but on other times, he's been very aggressive in going to find his own shot. I think that a great example of that was the Miami game last night. Uh, He had three, four, five buckets down the stretch of the in the fourth quarter simply by being aggressive, simply by refusing to <laughs> refusing to go away. And even when the nuggets were down, uh they went to Jokic consistently and Jokic really put them on his back and, and was able to score a lot of tough looks in the paint. Uh his field goal percentage in these situations has been very, very surprising, I'd say. Uh, among the 39 players to shoot at least 30 times in the clutch this year. That's uh plus or minus five point margin in the last five minutes of the game. Jokic's 53.5% field goal percentage is tied for the third best. Um, he's been one of the best possible scorers in the clutch this year. And while a lot of his mentality is as a passer, he also leads the NBA in assists in, assist in the clutch this year. Uh, he's he's also doubling as a scorer and and when you're a double threat like that uh with the ability to score and pass and and also rebound because he's he's been a monster in the paint as well uh it's really difficult for teams to guard you uh he's willing to pass to Jamal Murray who is also in that category of of a lot of shots in the clutch although Jamal Murray's actually last in field goal percentage this year so it really is surprising that Nikola Jokic is is putting the team on his back in these situations while Jamal Murray has really incurred the reputation of closer because he does a lot of, I would say, flashy things in the clutch where he's, he's handling the ball a lot and then passes to Jokic um, or he takes a, a wild shot that goes in. Uh, I can think of definitely the Sacramento game in situations where he he's really shot the ball way above what I expected from him. Uh, Jokic has been the closer this year. I will maintain that. I will continue to say that the ball should flow through Jokic, uh, even if he chooses to pass the ball to Jamal Murray, and and then Jamal Murray obviously has a green light because he's twenty one, and he's the future of the Denver Nuggets in in addition to Jokic then so be it. But that was a decision that Nikola Jokic made and, and consciously made. It's going to be interesting to see how that develops over the course of the next few years. I would guess that Jokic continues to be even more involved offensively. But as Denver starters get back into place, could see Gary Harris taking some more shots, could see Will Barton taking some more shots, and that's not necessarily a bad thing as long as the ball throat flows through Jokic and he's making those decisions. I think that Jokic will be even better uh, as the season wears on and the Nuggets offense will be even better. That spells a lot of great things for when Denver gets healthy. Uh, even with shooting 32% from three this year, Jokic is up to 59% true shooting, which is very good. It's very surprising given that he he is pretty active out at the three-point line for a center. Uh I think that his three-point percentage is going to go up as he continues to take rhythm looks, and I also think that that will have a large effect on his true shooting percentage. In addition, uh, some of Denver's rotation pieces haven't really shot well this year. I've, I've well noted that Trey Lyles has been slumping for most of the season. He's he's a very active shooter in Denver's offense, in, uh, especially in Denver's bench lineups. Uh, he's only shot 25% from behind the arc this year. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris have each shot 33% from behind the arc after shooting 37% last year. Um, in addition, Will Barton being injured and he's only played six quarters all year. That's put Tory Craig in a position where he's had to take some of those shots that he may not have necessarily taken it at a previous time. Uh, Will Barton is a, is an elite shooter as well, or at least a, a very solid shooter. So, if you give the looks that Torrey Craig has had to Will Barton, I think that Will Barton probably shoots 36, 37, 38% on those looks, as opposed to the 28% that Torrey Craig has shot this year. So once Will Barton returns, I think the Denver's offense is going to another level. Uh, Jokic will be more efficient in the second half. Murray and Harris are going to shoot better from the perimeter because there, there's not as much responsibility on them. Uh, with will barton having the ability to run dribble handoffs you don't necessarily have to use jamal murray and gary harris as the fulcrum points in every single dribble handoff set and pick and roll set Uh, they can space the floor they can be cutters they can have other opportunities to gain efficient offense in those situations Uh, and again denver will maximize their minutes uh, with good shooters in the lineup and and hopefully minimize the minutes with bad shooters in the lineup Uh, especially off of the bench I really do think that Juancho Hernan Gomez deserves to be the bench for when everybody gets healthy Um, we will see if that actually translates but uh, even still I think that Trey Lyles whether he he won't shoot 25% for the rest of the year I don't think I think he's starting to come out of his slump a little bit and a Well, in a solid shooting, Trey Lyles is very important for the Nuggets offense if he is the power forward that they use. My hot take for the Nuggets is that they will be the NBA's best offense in the second half of the year. All of these things that I've mentioned, I don't think it would be very surprising. Uh, When you get back as many guys as they've had, uh, knock on wood, everybody stays healthy. It's going to be interesting to see how they integrate those guys. But once they get into the integrated into the lineup, I think Denver's offense is going to really take off. Um, we'll have a lot of opportunities to put Denver's perimeter shooters in a very good position to take open and wide open shots on a consistent basis. Uh, Jokic will have an open floor. It's going to be really interesting. So that's pretty much it for me. Thank you for listening. I'm at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. I want to plug Pickaxe Pundits really quickly, The Dig, Full Court Press. Each of those shows that the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network also has have been running full strength. Uh, really good episode from Pickaxe Pundits just a little bit ago. The Dig had a great episode, Jeremy Poley, and has a number of guests on there. And so, really enjoyed listening to him. Stiff's Night Out is on Saturday, January 12th. Alex English will be there. Legend, Nuggets legend Alex English will be at the bar. All of those details can be found on Denver Stiffs. And I will see you guys in a couple of weeks.